0: Hi, I'm Avalon Starlight, and you are listening to the Rebel Unicorns Podcast. This season, we are diving deep into what being an empath in business actually looks like. Listen each week as I share tips and tricks to master your empath energy, as well as sharing incredible guests who have created successful businesses by claiming their empath title. Are you ready? let's get our rebel on hello 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 rebel unicorns i'm not gonna lie my guest today and i just spent 45 minutes laughing so i can't attest to how serious this conversation is going to be before jumping on to record. However, this human is a powerful channel and energy reader. She is here to really support women in getting super clear on how to use uh, universal laws and spiritual laws to stand in their sovereignty and to step into their power. And she is hella powerful and hella brilliant and Bright as a fucking supernova. So I am really excited to introduce you to Corey and Corrigan today
1: on the podcast.
0: Or Corey Corrigan, is fine.
1: If that's what you always say. <laughs> I love your introductions. They're always these like kick-ass introductions. So when I did the the whole, the form to come in here... And it asks you for your, like, your bio. I'm like, I'm not giving that because you do kick-ass introductions anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I read those. I'm like, oh, I know about this person. Ooh, let's just talk about that. (laughs) Let's just go with it. (laughs) So, Corey Corrigan, which is true that I do call you by your first and last name, and no one else here listening needs to. You can call Corey by Corey. Uh, But to me, it just is, it was an immediate From the time I met you, um,
1: you, did you know you were an empath when we first met? No, no. And and on a side note, you've actually never called me Corey ever, never, not from no, even. So
0: you have to set the scene here, everybody that, you know, you meet somebody, they come into a sales call and you're, or you're introduced to them. And as soon as I saw your name, it was an immediate Corey Corrigan. It was like, Mm -hmm. hi, I, yeah, let's talk, Corey Corrigan, in, in Forever Stuck. Yeah. Which I can't and
1: introduce me to people as that. Like, even when we're in the group, and stuff, you would introduce me as Corey Corrigan. You might be the only one. Yeah. I've had people, like, when I was in dental, I've had people with, that would say to me, I can't believe your name is Corey Corrigan. Like, that's a fantastic name. But nobody's ever stuck with it through... Like the whole time I've known them, and only called me that. They just comment on how awesome the name is, and then they move on. I like it's You so say awesome. it every time. Every time. And then just before coming on, I learned your middle name was Lori
0: Ann. So then it was Corey Lori and Corey. And that was that was super fun to say out loud, and for everybody in the interwebs to hear that. Yes. So <laughs> explain a little bit when I when we met Corey. What were you doing? What was your life at that time?
1: Oh God, it seems like so far away. So at the time I was in the height of the shit with Cody and his mental illness. And I actually remember I was introduced to you through uh, a friend and he said, Oh, here's this book. This is the book I was telling you about. And he sent me, he shared with me your um, child is driving me crazy book. And then, so then I followed you on Facebook and I kind of watched a little bit and then you put something out there for a chakra reading. And I was like, I'll sign up, sure, let's do it. And immediately shit my pants because I was like, but what if it's real? What if she can see stuff? What if she knows stuff? And again, I was in like the height of my stuff with Cody. So I was like, if she can really see that this is gonna be some crazy stuff right here. (laughs) But, and I think the first time we were supposed to connect, I fell asleep right before we were supposed to connect. And then when I messaged you, you're like, of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second time we connected, we went through like all of my stuff, you nailed everything. And then I was like, okay, but now what? (laughs) Like now, where do we go? And so then we just kind of chatted from there and I ended up doing Chakra Business Academy and then all the other stuff in your life even. It was like, it was odd because at that point I was the caregiver, I think for everyone everywhere, like not just Cody with mental health, but like every relationship dynamic I had. And that was one of the things that you pointed out in the chakra reading was that like, I'm the go-to person for everyone. I'm the caregiver for everyone. I'm the fixer for everyone. I'm the, like, that person for everyone. And you're like, but who's doing it for you? And I was like, oh, that's a really good question. (laughs) Like, I have no idea. And so it felt like everything was just holding together by this, like, really thin strand of string. Like, because everything was everybody else. Nothing was me.
0: so true. It's so true. And I just really wanted you to say that you owned. Ice cream store. (laughs) I did have an ice cream store. (laughs) I did have an
1: ice cream store at the time.
0: (laughs) So excited that you had an ice cream store because I love ice cream, and I thought, wow, this is so cool to actually be able to work with somebody um, to support, like, bringing an ice cream store to life, right? Like to actually give it a personality and things like that. And but you were in you were not in a good place at the time that we connected. Because of the fact that you were in, in, would you say that would be codependency then?
1: I think it was codependency on every level. Like in every relationship dynamic, I attracted to that codependent um, place, right? Like if you could offer that in some capacity, I was like, ooh, it's like that shiny object syndrome. I was like, yes, let's- I'll save you.
0: I'll save you. (laughs) Let's give me help. I'll save you. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So for those listening who maybe have never heard the word codependent, um,
1: what, how would you define it? I would, it's that fixer energy, right? Like that, um, and I didn't realize it, I don't think at the time, like you almost feel like it is this alluring quality, like, oh, I know things you don't know and I can help you fix all your problems in the entire world. But the second you don't need me, then I feel like there's something wrong with me because I need to be needed. I needed that that interaction, that dynamic. And so then I would just fill it with more people who needed to be fixed. So it was
0: your identity.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And jumping ahead, just so that, what do you do now? <laughs>
1: All of that in reverse. (laughs) So it's interesting because now I help women come out of those, that codependency, figuring out where all of your, like those patterns and habits, those things that you're searching for, why are you searching for them? Where do they come from? So that you can have those boundaries and that like all of the stuff that I never had back then, where it all, where I needed to have all those things helping people find that for themselves and come out of the codependent relationships and just have a relationship honoring who you are.
0: And when in, cause how long ago was it that we met? Probably what, five years ago? 17. Yep. So four years ago. So this is like not a long time to go from ice cream store, totally codependent, to like completely like trying to fix to having yep. an online business uh, you know supporting women not have the, those same tendencies where in that storyline did you realize that you worked in energy
1: ah uh, we met in 2017 I think but it was like early 2017 like around now I think actually 2017 and then I left dental in June, June 1st. I took my Reiki in October, and it was probably not until the following February, so February 2018, where I actually realized what I was doing and how I could control it.
0: And so I love the story of you stepping into, because I had mentioned to you that you were an empath, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, I had thrown that word out. You were very resistant to it. You were like, Fuck you. I am not an empath <laughs> Thank <you> very much. <laughs> do you remember that? Yep. Do you remember why you resisted? Cause I don't, I'm asking sincerely.
1: I don't probably because I didn't. And I think we've actually talked about this afterwards, like now realizing being an empath and realizing all of what I can do and all of the abilities I do have in energy. We've talked about where they all came from in the beginning and so I think for me that moment of like having all of this as a child, and how it all came to be that it was actually used against me, and you know that whole kind of situation, I think I, that's probably why I shunned it and went, no, you can keep the empath and shove it up your ass. That's not, no, I'm not, I'm not. That's not me. You're your game, Avalon. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: In true Corey Corrigan Rebellion fashion, while we were working together, you just randomly came to a call and you're like, yeah, I got my Reiki. Yep. And was, <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Asshole. I well, mean that with love because we've been friends you know, worked with me and for me and through me and like we, we've had a very long relationship. All the things. So then like... But you, even when you took your Reiki, you, you didn't understand the, the, the absolute power that you had of utilizing energy. So what was it in, in when you were just like, oh my God, no, like energy flows out of me and energy flows into me, uh, emotions flow out of me and emotions. Did you have like a, a pivotal moment? Was there, there something that just kind of like was like, oh,
1: I get it now. So there was a couple, um, but it's interesting because now looking back and when I explain my my story and my journey to people, the one major thing and all the things you tried to teach me, the one thing that I actually learned between the time we started working together and when I got my Reiki was really how to just recognize the signs of when something is for you or not. And so when Reiki fell in my lap, it literally fell in my lap and I had no idea what it was. I had never heard about it before. I had never seen it before. I had never experienced it. I never had a treatment. I had no idea what it was. But I was like, oh, okay, this is the third or fourth time it's come up. Clearly, it's something I need to do. And then I did it in October. I did my level one. And then I just did Reiki for all the people and I put it out on Facebook and said, I'm going to do it for free. Cause I just wanted to do it and feel it. And like, what is it? And kind of play in it. And when I went back in February to do my level two, I said to my Reiki master at the time, like, this is the coolest shit in the country. Like I feel things other people are feeling, I'm able to like, like I physically feel them. And she was like, yeah, no, that's not Reiki. Everybody doesn't get that. Like, and I was like, what do you mean? Because I, again, because I had never experienced it, I didn't know that that wasn't what everybody does in every capacity of Reiki. Like, I just assumed that this was, this was the thing. But I think that moment for me where I realized the energy component was I was in a session with a woman who literally was just doing it because I needed the hours. She, again, she very similar to me, had no idea what it was, what it did, what it worked on, nothing, nothing. And when I went in my treatment room with her, I started getting like mid back pain, like kind of in between the shoulder blades to the point where in a 45 minute session, I actually questioned Like, am I going to have to call it before the session is over? Because it was so uncomfortable and so painful for me. And I didn't know, I was like, where is this coming from? I didn't have this problem before I came in here. Like, is it, and and I'm trying to do my session while I'm thinking, is it the carpet? Is it because I'm standing uneven? Is it, am I leaning to one side or the other? Like, what is happening right now? And when I came back out of the room... Um, it went away, it was gone. And so then I said to her, the only thing that really comes through is like, I have this back pain. Do you like, do you slouch? Do you, is there like, do you have a lot of back pain? Like I, I cause I couldn't figure it out. And she's like, Nope, Nope, nothing, nothing. And I said, well, the only other thing is like, Where it comes out is kind of in between like your heart chakra and your solar plexus. And this is what these two chakras are for and what you carry in these. And then she started bawling. And I didn't know her on a super personal level. So I really didn't, my perception of who she was went against everything I said. I just kind of went in flow of like, these are the things that I'm feeling. And this is what these chakras are for. And this is what is coming through for you. And she was like, it's everything I'm going through right now. It's everything that's happening in my life. And that was that like aha moment where I was like, oh, so it's the stuff that I'm actually feeling your stuff. I'm not feeling it's my stuff. And then from that moment on, every time I went into a session, I paid attention to what did I feel coming in the room that I didn't have before? And so rather than waiting when I came out of the session to explain to people what I was doing or what I was feeling, I started explaining it while I was in the sessions. And I found that so many people afterwards would message me and go, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I feel so clear now. I feel so great. This is, you know, I haven't felt this good in a long time. And I started to get or feel like people were getting more impact out of coaching while I was doing Reiki than you just doing Reiki and explaining it after.
0: Now, did you ever get to a place where, cause that's taking on a lot of emotional energy, Corey, mm-hmm. to, to constantly be going in a room. And, and did you ever find that that got
1: overwhelming or made you tired or in the beginning, it did, I like I got exhausted. And I think actually it was at one of your retreats and we did a heart clearing thing. And you were like, it was about a house. And I remember this, like it was yesterday. And you were doing this meditation and you're like, picture your dream house in your dream spot on the beach or in the forest or this, that, whatever. My house was full of people. Like I could not move in this house. And then you were like, kick everybody out. That doesn't, isn't here for this and isn't here for that, whatever. And then my house was vacant, but it was the first time like, because again, I didn't really realize I was taking all that energy on and not doing anything or letting it back out. It was probably the first time since I had started Reiki um, or really, probably since I was born, that I could take a full breath in and out without feeling the weight of you know what now I realize is other people's energy that I didn't realize back then.
0: I love that we're going in this direction, Corey. <laughs> Um, because I think that this is a key piece because part of being codependent and part of wanting to fix things is we tend to take on other people's energies. And because I think that why I wanted to do this particular season was because I know that there's a lot, a lot of there's a lot of, um, what's the word controversy about the word empath. Mm right? Because to me there is, right? You can be hypervigilant, which is the trauma-based response where you were in danger and had to know what everybody was doing. And it could feel very much like, you know, the emotional, you know, experiences of people, there's highly sensitive people who know, just can pick up all the sense like sensory, but then there's, there is legitimately the act of exchanging energy. And for somebody who does not know that they're doing it, we don't realize that so in your case, you know, having a child with mental illness, just like I did, mm-hmm. that without having any protection in place, we almost became helicopter, but like overly giving because we could feel what our child was going through. And all I personally wanted was to make it better. What do I need to do here? Well, I used to think to solve the problem I created, I built that, now he's a little Tasmanian devil and now I need to like make everything better because it's all my fault and all those kinds of things. Um, but I was also really tied to his emotions. Yeah. And feeling very responsible for his emotions. Yeah. And so would you say that not knowing that you were an empath played a role
1: in all that codependent behavior? Totally. Totally. Because there's that that piece of like, you can feel what they feel, right? Like you're totally attaching to their energy. And then there's also that, that fixer energy where you're also five steps ahead of where they are. And you're like, if you do this thing, it's going to be this and this and this and this. So you're already yourself creating anxiety for a situation that has not yet happened and then then you become this overbearing overprotective like I just want to guard you from all of the seven steps that I know you're about to walk into at the same time which then of course exaggerates your child's anxiety which then you feel which then you go you know 14 more steps ahead and it's that vicious cycle of like not only are you feeling them But then you're feeling and seeing all of the things they're about to enter into if they continue on this path. And then you're creating more anxiety and more emotion about all of that, right? And so then you're, and then you add in, you're trying to protect them from the outside world and other people and other people's opinions and what people are seeing and not seeing and how people are thinking and feeling about your child. And you're taking on all of those people's emotions and thoughts and feelings And it just becomes this insane, heavy energy that you're like, you're holding onto for dear life every time you wake up and start your day to the time that you go to bed at night. And
0: you described it perfectly because as what I was given or gifted in working in the chakras is that we carry that energy in our hearts, right? So it creates Mm like a heavy sponge feeling dragging down our heart because we're carrying that emotion, that responsibility. So taking a deep breath would be the release of that, right? Like no longer having that. Then looking at, you know, where you are now and knowing that you have the capacity to work with energy, how do you protect yourself or create strong ways in which you don't let that energy come back into your heart or drag your density
1: down? So there's a couple things I do. So one of the things I do first and foremost is when I feel out of sorts, like when I feel like something's off or I'm starting to feel an emotion like right now that I didn't feel five seconds ago or five minutes ago, I'll sit into like a, so it's a saying I say where I say disconnect me from any energy that is not mine because I want to know, is this my shit or somebody else's first and foremost, right? disconnecting me then allows me to like, that I can immediately go, okay, now keep that energy out of mine. Like don't allow anybody else's energy to attach to me. Um, and then I'll go into that portion of it. If it's mine, then obviously I figure out kind of where it's coming from. But a lot of things that I tell like clients is imagine you, your, your private space. So whether that's your room, your home, you know, whatever sacred space you have in your home. And if you don't have one, obviously start there and get one but you put almost like a protection bubble around it. So wrap it in your favorite color ribbon or whatever thing you, makes you feel safe, like cocoon that space with loving light energy. And then when you exit that space, imagine you're like, there was a movie where it was like the boy in the bubble and he went around in this like plastic bubble everywhere he went. Imagine you're doing the same thing. So every time you leave your room or you leave your sacred space, Imagine you're walking around the world in this plastic bubble of like protection. So yes, loving energy is going to come in. That is for the greatest and highest good for you. And you can give that back out. But anything negative that's yours stays in and anything that is negative that is not yours stays out. And that would
0: be the two major ways that you, you protect yourself then?
1: Yeah, those are the two main things I do. Because I think that like disconnecting from other people's energy is a super powerful one because a lot of the times we don't even know we're doing it. And, you know, like you're standing in the grocery store and the people, two people in front of you is having a fit at the counter about their bill or paying for bags or like whatever. And the person directly in front of you, the mom is stressed out because she's trying to get her groceries done. And there's, you know, maybe a young child grabbing at all the things and instantly you start to feel overwhelmed and you start to feel anxiety and you start to feel frustrated. It's actually not yours. It belongs to the people in front of you or maybe behind you. So being able to disconnect from that, whenever you get that recognition of like, this actually isn't mine, I need to disconnect from that and then go right into like a protection, put wrap yourself in that bubble and keep it out.
0: So just, I'm, I'm going to kind of like do a timeline with you. So you didn't know you were an empath. You were working in dental and uh, brick and mortar. Yep. Learned that you were an empath, immediately was in an energetic business, which entailed you actually being very forthright in the conversation and conversion of emotion through your body and with your clients. Yeah. And what are you doing now? in your business? Is it the same? Do you still use that level of energy or have you kind of pulled back, know that it's there, but have shifted into something different?
1: Um, so I would say pulled back a little bit. So I don't do Reiki as much. So it's not that I don't do it. It just now is one of the tools in the toolbox versus the toolbox. Like, and so now everything I do is mostly coaching, but it is based on your energy. So I am in your energy at the time. And I'm feeling like what actually feels good for you. Where are you resisting versus going with it? Um, So sometimes I'll ask people things and they're, you know, like you overthink it, right? And you get this a lot too, where people all of a sudden start to think of what is the right answer or what is the thing you want me to say? And as soon as I can feel it energetically that they're doing it, because it almost becomes this like cat and mouse game for me, like energetically, And I'm like, no, that one right there. I want that thought. What were you just thinking? Because that's the one I'm after. And so I still use energy in everything I do. I just don't use it to the same capacity anymore. And I have the awareness now, like, of being able to attach when I want, disconnect when I don't, being able to protect in everything I do. And just because I'm in somebody's energy and I'm, you know, playing in that field, doesn't mean I have to carry it around for the rest of the day or for six months until I do a heart clearing. Like I can actually disconnect right away, let go of that right away. And I still do the the maintenance, so to speak, and do the cord cuttings regularly and the heart clearing regularly, but it isn't, you know, based on every single client all the time anymore.
0: And do you find it easier or harder to maintain this level of clearing and protection with your own children?
1: Compared to where I was four years ago, a thousand times easier, (laughs) but I think because it's more of the awareness, right? Like I didn't realize I was doing it back then. And so now a big part of it is like, I'll know I'm doing it. I know I'm taking on Cody's energy or Zachary's energy or like I, now I have that awareness of this is what I'm doing, which makes it easier for me to disconnect there's still those. I mean, I'm human. I'm still a parent. There's still those moments where I want to just like wrap them up in bubble wrap and go, "Nope, you can't. You're not doing that." But I know that I'm doing it. I'm aware that I'm doing it versus like have absolutely no idea in the world what's happening in my life.
0: I don't know. I think that Corey Corrigan is a you know a Marvel character name, and so I can't see you as human anymore. That's it. You are now. You need some lycra. And a cape and it needs to have CC on it. And that's that. <laughs> uh, I know, right. But I I, I know personally, I still can, my maintenance for work is so much higher. My boundaries are better. My like, like for clients and for business and that. But I'm still, I'm a still a little bit of a, I guess, sucked in. I guess sucked in. Easy. I think that
1: that's like a mother thing. I don't think that ever will go away and so it's interesting because I'll talk to my boys about stuff and as stuff is coming out of my mouth I know I've already attached and thought five steps ahead of where they're going and I'm like and so I'll go and that anyways that's just my opinion but like in my in my mind and in my heart I'm like please just do what I'm freaking telling you to do already (laughs) like and it does frustrate me and I do you know still get into those moments Where I'll say, are you working yet? Do you have a job yet? Are you doing this yet? Are you doing that? Did you put out the garbage yet? And so I'm still attached to some of the stuff that they're doing. It's just now I'm I'm more aware of when I do it. And like I say to people all the time, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to change it just because you're aware of it. Like awareness itself is a step in the right direction.
0: I'm just having a thought. They brought me something and I'm going to bring it up. Um, Do it. (laughs) No. This is an important one, because I remember very vividly, because I think that this is one of your shadow parts of being an empath that I don't think we've ever really talked about. So I'm going to bring it up here, of course, because it's something Wait, that is <laughs> one of the ways that it was the shadow of your empath gift was you would let people call you and unload their shit. Oh, on. totally. And even if it was about you, you would receive yep. that and then feel heavy and dense afterwards so that
1: they would feel better. Well, and it's funny because I actually just had this conversation the other day with somebody and I said, I remember you and I having a conversation, a very close friend of mine wanted to sit down and have a conversation about how I was not a good friend. And you're like, why would you do that? And I was like, I don't know, because they need to get it off their chest and they need to just like get it out there. And so like, I'm just going to, I'm going to just do it. And you're like, why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) and I remember actually telling this story to somebody recently and I was like you know you actually don't have to but I didn't back then I didn't realize that I didn't have to I was like oh you have something to say okay I'll listen part of that like that codependent I'll fix things for you was also dump your shit on my lap and then I'll just take that even if it's it's about me and I think you're wrong it doesn't matter and now I'm like listening to that crap forget it exactly
0: why would you choose that for yourself yeah like willingly say absolutely let's get on a phone so that you can lower my vibration and make me feel terrible and and you will feel better and I will
1: feel worse. like you know what I mean yes yeah and I say to people like you know like the conversation I had the other day right I'm like if I said to you like right here right now Hey, Avalon, how about we go for coffee and I'm just going to bash you for 45 minutes and make you feel like shit. You want to do that? Come on, I'll pick you up. Anybody in the right freaking mind would say no. But what happens is people in our lives, they, they do this sneaky thing of like, well, I just want to tell you how you're not being a good friend to me. It's the same thing. <laughs> They're saying the same thing. <laughs> like, but we sign up. We're like, okay, let's do it. It's that, that need to like, yes, there must be something wrong with me. I've done something to you and I need, in order for you to forgive me for my wrongdoing, you get to dump your stuff all over me. Sure.
0: It's the shadow side of being an empath too, because again, we can feel their their, 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 Whatever sadness, hurt, frustration. And for me personally, as an empath, I thought everything was directed at me anyway. I thought everybody was mad at me or, or didn't like me. And I went through that experience of just taking on everybody, even if it was about their dad or if it was about their cousin or if it was about their child. I just thought it was always directed at me anyway. So yeah. I thought everybody hated me anyway. So what's one more? What's one more thing you could say about me uh, that I don't already think you think or feel about me?
1: Anyways, yeah
0: right? Like, I'm just like, I already believe the world thinks that I'm a piece of shit. So go ahead. Yeah. And sure. for
1: me, it wasn't that I thought people hated me. I just thought it was my responsibility to fix them. So whether you hate me or you just hate your life or you hate your husband or you hate your employer, I, I have to be the one to fix this. I have to be the one to make this right for you because who else is going to do it? It's Nobody else has that that capacity. So I have to.
0: I think you still do this a little bit sometimes.
1: Oh, totally. I'll do it to the day I die. Like, it's we're never truly, it's the thing we said 45 minutes before we hit record. You're never done healing. you The work never stops. You're never going to perfect it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I can pretty much text you any
0: time of day. I think you sleep with your phone, and I do, you- but it's on silent. <laughs> I'm like anytime I meet Corey Corrigan, I pick up my phone and I say Corey and Corey answers. I'm always like that, it's fascinating.
1: <laughs> but you know what's funny though is my phone is always with me and it's in my room because I use it to meditate at night. But my ringer has been off for probably two years, maybe more. And I say to my kids all the time, if you're dead or dying, don't call me because I probably am not gonna notice, like unless I'm physically looking at my phone. I, I'll never know that you call. And there's a couple of times where the kids have needed me. And then, you know, an hour goes by and they're like, we tried to call you three times. And I'm like dead or dying. Fine. Somebody else has to take over. Cause I'm not going to know you're, you're calling. My phone is off. The ringer is off. So unless I'm looking at it, I don't know.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is for me, uh, that was a big thing. That's a bit. That is actually a huge boundary for me. Yeah. I also share and teach is is taking your ringers off, yeah. turning off notifications on all things, so that you're not being responding to. Um, that's a huge boundary. Not being in reactive response mode and choosing when you go. Yeah. into you're into being in service because you need, you can't just always be on. I mean, that's that's just impossible. The nervous system cannot handle being on all the time. I wonder if that's why you crash so hard, Corey.
1: (laughs) I don't anymore actually, which is interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. And Emma and I've had this conversation about being a good or bad projector. And I was like, you would be so proud of me. The things that I I am a really good projector now. (laughs) I'm not the same, but like for me, the energy component of like if we're having a conversation and my phone dings, I'm going to be thinking about what that is. I'm going to be thinking about if that person is dead or dying. Do they need me versus actually just being present in the conversation we're having? And so it's interesting, both from an energy perspective and from that like that codependent fixer energy it takes a lot of self-control to go, yeah, you actually don't need me. Like the world will revolve without me being on top of it all the time. And so it took a lot for me to like, what I think the first six months I did it, I probably checked my phone more when it was off than I did when it was on to see if I was missing out on anything. But then it's interesting because now if I'll get like an appointment or something and they'll be like, oh, I'll call you on whatever, the 15th of the month, I have to put my ringer on for that period of time so that I don't miss the call I'm waiting for. I will get so frustrated by the amount of text or call or I'm like, as soon as the call comes through, the ringer goes off because now I'm used to the silence. I don't actually like the notifications coming through. Oh, this person texts you or that person's calling. I like not being able to have to worry about that.
0: You're, so my son leaves his notifications on when he comes over and I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, okay, seriously, you actually exist in a world where this, I, like people still keep their notifications and dingers on. Is that a thing for real? <laughs> it's so funny because yeah. you do turn it off. You think that that's just the standard now. Totally.
1: And I think that we, because of how much freedom it actually brings Mm-hmm. Again, it's that five steps ahead. We go, do you know how much peaceful, how more peaceful your life would be if you just stopped that nonsense right there? <laughs> like just well, just now to... I'm thinking
0: back, this is a, a an awareness. It's like, I would actually take on the emotion of the person who dinged me. Right. I would know in yeah. that moment. I would, I would, because of the sensitivity, like, and I don't know if you had this, like when people would come over for a call or something, or my first appointment, I was taking on their emotions prior to me even, um, seeing them that day without knowing that it was happening. Yeah. And then I was doing the same thing. I'm just like, Oh shit. I remember that now. Like if it dinged or that went off, I was, I was immediately
1: because I wasn't in a place of protection to becoming a
0: person's energy.
1: Totally. I remember um, doing it for like clients. I would wake up in the morning and I'd have a client at say, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock and I'd feel something straight up to that call. And then I'd get on the call with the client and I'd go, Oh, that was your shit. That wasn't mine. Right. And you're right. Like you don't have that awareness of what's happening until all of a sudden one day you're like, your eyes are wide open and you realize it isn't even, it wasn't even mine. I was attaching to to your stuff. And then you just get really good at protecting yourself.
0: And I, 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 one of my protections is, is this mine? I have to say like, so you say, uh, please clear me of any energy that doesn't belong to me. And mine is just to simply ask the emotion that I'm feeling. Is this mine? Is this yeah. mine? Is this mine? And I mean, I had to do a lot in the beginning with with Jeff. I'd be like, Jeff, are you feeling this way? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, cool. That's not mine.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. And there's so many times that like I'll text a friend because I know it's not mine. And instantly they'll come into my, I think I've even done this to you right? They'll come into my thought process. And so then I I think I sent you a voice note recently and I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like this maybe I'm supposed to check on you for a second, like what's happening, but I'll do it to other people as well. And I'll say, hey, uh, how's it going over there? Because I'll connect to something that I know is not mine. And then all of a sudden that person will come into my mind and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's yours. There it is. It's, It's not mine such a fun game right like why not mine it's like oh, it was a puzzle it's a puzzle piece it's like
0: the puzzle of my day and like where do all these emotions fit yeah like, which you know I'm making you know light of it but it can be overwhelming and it can be very confusing sometimes and it can be scary even when you have uh, a denser or a heavier feeling or you have like a headache or like yeah. I was angry, really angry, like rageful one time. Um, And I'm not normally a rageful person until I got on that call and I could feel that person's rage. But I was like, I, I, it was, it was hard for me to be in that.
1: And I think the scary part too is if you have part of that emotion, right? Like if you are somewhat in a depressive situation And you're feeling down about what's happening and then you're attaching to somebody who is depressed and so you're amplifying something you already feel. It is super overwhelming to all of a sudden because you don't, your instinct isn't, oh, this isn't mine. Like at least if you're not an angry person and all of a sudden you start raging, you're like, wait a minute, something's not right here. But if you are amplifying an emotion, you actually already feel. It's really hard to discern, like, is this mine or not mine? Because your instinct wants to go, oh my God, I did this. This is mine. I'm having a really bad day, you know, and you want to take it on because you're just not really sure, is it yours or not yours? Very good point.
0: Thank you for that one, because it's true. And so it is, it becomes a practice, right? Like you have to get it into a habitual practice versus just something you do in like, um, what's the word I want to say? Uh, maintenance like if you're just reactive to it like oh this one or whatever but it becomes like a daily whatever even if you're not feeling anything just think about what you're feeling right now is this mine oh of course okay keep going but like it just becomes
1: (laughs) yeah And it's funny because when I started doing Reiki, like I had a whole practice, right? So I would wash my hands before I would go into the treatment room. I would say a whole thing before I started Reiki to connect to somebody. I would rub my hands together. Like there was a whole process. And so, and again, I started it in October. So by like December, January, where it's cold and it's snowing and I just would be outside randomly and rub my hands together. I would activate Reiki like instantly. Because I had developed such a process where this meant do that to my body, to my energy, it just started doing it. So in the beginning, it is a practice that you have to be consciously aware that you're doing. But the more you do it, the more you practice it, your body just instinctively does it. Energetically, you just start to take it on. And yes, moments still creep in where you're like, oh, is this mine? No, it's actually not. And stuff creeps in on you but out of a hundred times, maybe you only get five, right? Like it's a totally different thing, but it is totally a conscious practice to start with.
0: Yeah. It's the, you know, everything takes work until it doesn't. Yeah, definitely. Right. So if people are listening and they're like, damn, yeah, I am needing some support and Corey Gorgon is speaking my language and I am like, Oh, I need that in my life. Everybody needs Corey Corrigan in their life. So I highly recommend reaching out. Um, Where would they go to find you, Corey?
1: Most of my time is spent Instagram and Facebook. So just Corey Corrigan on Instagram or Facebook. um, And then, or my website, coreycorrigan.ca. Make it, keep it simple. Corey Corrigan.
0: Corey Corrigan. (laughs) Corey, Laurie, and Corrigan. It's
1: like I had to put it one more time. I'm going to change all my platforms to include that middle name. (laughs) Yeah. My last question
0: for you is what does being a rebel unicorn mean to you?
1: It means living the way that I want to live. Like, and it's funny because there's a lot of conversations that I've had um, about, you know, how we're taught to live in the box. We're taught to be a part of the mold. Our education system, every part of every system that exists teaches us how to be like everybody else, how to do what everybody else does. Being a rebel unicorn is actually just being you. Just own your shit and be who you are and love it for, on all levels. Good, bad, or indifferent. You are who you are and you are fantastic
0: radical self-acceptance i love it thank you so much for being on the rebel unicorns podcast you know i love and adore you and i know that those listening will also feel the same thank you thank you thank you oh
1: thank you this is so much fun
0: wow that episode was mind-blowing i hope you had as many ahas listening to it as i had recording it I would love to see the Rebel Unicorns podcast spread far and wide across the globe, across the universe. So if you want to share it on your social media with something that you found impactful, leave a review, send it to a friend. It would be ah oh, so deeply appreciated. Also, a little side note, I did recently change my name. I downloaded a year and a half ago that my name was Avalon Starlight. It was previously my birth name was Tamara Arnold. And if you're interested in learning what your Rebel Unicorn house is, oh yeah, there's a quiz for that. Think Harry Potter, except you're sorted into how you are impacting the world with your stardust and what energy you're here to shift and change. You can find out your Rebel Unicorn house at www www.tamaraarnold.ca slash quiz. Let me know, tag me in social media, send the quiz out and join the Rebel Unicorns Facebook group to be in a community of like-minded spiritual entrepreneurs who understand that when you shift your energy, you transform your business.